there, and welcome to Pick 6 Movies, the podcast where every season we select a theme and then select or pick, if you will, six movies all related to that theme. Then on each episode of this very podcast, we take one of those movies and give you some history on the people in front of and behind the camera to understand how and why each movie was made. I know, that sounds great, but wait, there's more. After your head is filled with fun facts and useless knowledge, you get a full review of the movie from fade in to fade out from me, Chad Cooper, and my lifelong friend, Mr. Bo Ransom. This is season 17 with a delightfully fun theme featuring six movies based on comic books, which we have cleverly titled Comic Sans Quality. I forgot to mention earlier that the six movies we pick are usually of a questionable quality. Case in point, tonight's episode, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, starring Nicolas Cage and a bunch of people that were not in the original Ghost Rider movie. This movie has everything you want in a Nicolas Cage film. There's Nicolas Cage, there's over-the-top acting, there's head-scratching, there's bewilderment, there's the questioning of oneself and how you choose to spend your limited time here on Earth and... Why are you watching a sequel to a movie that, by most accounts, didn't warrant a sequel in the first place? You know what? Let's not waste any more of your precious time on this planet listening to me go on and on about what's going on and on around here. Let's get Mr. Bo Ranstall in here to kickstart this episode as we head off down the highway with Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Nicolas Cage loves comic books. I know that because he talks about them a lot. Even his name is a reference to comics. See, Nicolas Cage was not born Nicolas Cage. His birth name is Nicholas Kim Coppola, and yes, it's that Coppola. His uncle is director Francis Ford Coppola, a name you may recognize from such movies as The Godfather, or Apocalypse Now, or maybe Twixt, which would be weird, but Twixt is a weird movie. His parents are August Coppola and Joy Vogelsang. August was not only brother to Francis Coppola, he was a professor of literature, and Nicholas's mother was a dancer and a choreographer. Growing up, Nicholas was surrounded by the arts, so it's no great wonder his passions led him into a creative field. The whole family is in on the act, really. One of his brothers is a DJ, the other a director in his own right. But for young Nicholas Coppola, the bolt of lightning struck when he was quite young when he saw a movie called East of Eden. For those who don't recall the movie, East of Eden is a melodrama that serves as a loose retelling of the biblical tale of Cain and Abel, focused on two brothers vying for their father's attention. Nicholas Coppola fell in love with James Dean and his on-screen persona as a troubled and brash young man, misunderstood by those around him. Coupled with James Dean's turn in Rebel Without a Cause, Dean inspired Nicholas to pursue acting, a passion that began in the well-known Beverly Hills High. Nicholas would go on to study at the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television as well. In high school, Nicholas performed in a school production of Golden Boy and was so bitten by the acting bug, he broached the subject with his famous uncle, Francis, one day in his uncle's car. He asked Uncle Francis to give him a screen test, telling the famous director, quote, I'll show you acting. 
Francis Coppola, who had worked with some of the finest actors of his generation, was unimpressed, as you might imagine, and didn't pay much attention to Nicholas's requests for a screen test. And so, Nicholas decided that if he was going to become an actor, he was gonna have to do it himself. In order to avoid any perception that he was getting work because of his uncle, Nicholas Coppola changed his name. Inspired by the character Luke Cage, aka Power Man, in Marvel Comics, Nicholas Coppola became Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage appeared in a TV movie called The Best of Times and a quick cameo in Fast Times at Ridgemont High under his real name before adopting his nom d'art. And he quickly garnered attention in the romantic comedy Valley Girl as Nicholas Cage. Having established some of his own bona fides, Uncle Francis was less resistant to his nephew's requests for a screen test, and Nicolas Cage appeared in Uncle Francis's adaptation of the novel Rumblefish before scoring roles in movies like Racing with the Moon and The Cotton Club. Not to say that Cage didn't have a leg up on account of his famous family, but he paid some dues on his own before Uncle Francis came calling again for a role for Nicholas in Peggy Sue Got Married, an honest-to-goodness hit film where he would act alongside Kathleen Turner, a very big star at the time. Peggy Sue Got Married was a success both critically and financially, and Cage was gaining a reputation apart from his famous family as a serious and substantial actor. Between you and me, dear listeners, none of these movies blew my socks off, mostly thanks to my old-timey sock suspenders. And so while I was aware of Nicolas Cage, I had no particular affinity for Nicolas Cage as a performer. Until the year 1987, when filmmakers Joel and Ethan Cohen cast Cage as the ex-con with a heart of gold in Raising Arizona. As H.I. McDonough, Cage is equal parts white trash hilarity and heartfelt father, a performance that showed him off as an actor willing to step outside his comfort zone, and that's when Moonstruck happened. Moonstruck is one of those movies that's hard to impart how popular it was on release. With Cher headlining the film, Cage gives a quirky performance as her romantic partner, and he netted a Golden Globe nomination for his work. On the heels of that film, Cage appeared in the very offbeat Vampire's Kiss and joined Laura Dern as a lead in David Lynch's Wild at Heart. Both Vampire's Kiss and Wild at Heart offered a chance for Cage to do something unusual in his performances, eccentricity that would become a hallmark of Cage's style. Speaking of his style, it has been described as everything from manic to just plain weird. Cage himself has described it in a number of ways, most recently as nouveau shamanic, a reference to the notion that there are parallels between performance on the stage or the set and the acts of a shaman in a ritual. He has also described it as western kabuki, or as an extension of German expressionism. Regardless, it's an acknowledgement of his arch method of understanding that what he does is performance and investing entirely in it. I would argue, left to his own devices, this type of performance can go wildly off the rails. Uh, for example, when Cage asked someone to pour hot yogurt on his toes so he would get excited for a scene in Vampire's Kiss. I mean, that's just weird. Who would use hot yogurt when clearly room temperature yogurt is way more arousing? Regardless of what you call it, it's pure Cage, and it impressed David Lynch enough to call him the jazz musician of American acting. 
A further aside, since we're talking about comics this season, let's get back to Cage in the early 1990s and his love of comic books. A lifelong reader and fan of comics, the success Cage found in acting led him to pursue another passion, collecting rare comics. With his newfound money, Cage spent wildly on real estate and vintage cars, and an equally extravagant amount of money went into collecting exceedingly rare comic books. He managed to get copies of Fantastic Four number one, Amazing Spider-Man number one, and notably Action Comics number one, which features the first appearance of Superman, as well as Detective Comics number 27, which is the first appearance of Batman. Around the time Cage was investing in a copy of Action Comics number one through a comic dealer in Manhattan named Stephen Fischler, he was also in talks to play the Man of Steel in a new Superman film helmed by Tim Burton entitled Superman Lives. Now there's a whole documentary on how and why the project was assembled and subsequently shelved, and you can find some fascinating shots online of Nicolas Cage in his Superman outfit. Superman Lives was to be based on a series of comics called The Death of Superman, in which the superhero was murdered by a character named Doomsday, creating a number of spin-off characters in the comics. Cage was thrilled to be donning the suit, having grown up with Superman and other superheroes, but it was not to be. He did, however, name his son Kal-El in honor of Superman, that being, of course, the Kryptonian name of Superman. His love of the comics remained, which leads us to our next portion of Cage's tale, The Comic Heist. To set the stage, comics are graded in much the same way many collectibles are, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being a raggedy copy you might find in the stall of a bus station, and 10 being a pristine copy that shows no signs of age or wear and tear. Considering that Action Comics number 1 debuted in 1938, such highly graded copies are next to impossible to find. There's only about a thousand in the world. The one Cage bought from Stephen Fischler was a solid 9 costing well over $100,000 to the actor at the time. In 2000, Nicolas Cage was robbed. Framed and mounted copies of Action Comics number 1, Detective Comics number 27, and Marvel Mystery number 71, which was the first appearance of the Human Torch from the Fantastic Four, were all missing. Cage admitted that due to the fact that these were mounted as decorations on his wall, it could have been weeks since the items went missing. Enter Donald Herchik, the head of the art theft detail for the Los Angeles Police Department. Herchik was nothing if not dedicated, pursuing leads all over the country, including to a safety deposit box right here in Tennessee, which turned out to be a replica cover over a women's underwear catalog. Hey, it's a living, am I right? Herchik had never investigated a comic theft before, but he was the first to admit that the books were important to Cage. He had a real attachment, Herchik said. Now, despite Herchik's efforts, the Cage copies seemed to have vanished like so many national treasures. While he waited for good news on the comic theft front, Cage continued his pursuit of acting, netting an Oscar for his performance in Leaving Las Vegas, and becoming an unlikely action hero with movies like Con Air and the National Treasure films. 
He sold off much of his comic collection ahead of his marriage to Lisa Marie Presley, daughter of Elvis Presley. See Season 15, Episode 1 of Pick 6 Movies for more on Elvis and the Bananas' Stay Away Joe. Cage said it was to please his wife-to-be, but the reality probably has more to do with his extravagant lifestyle. Thanks to his real estate purchases and other high-ticket items, Cage was facing some tax issues. He sued his business manager, saying Samuel Levin hadn't appropriately managed his money, and Levin countered by saying he had warned Cage about living above his means. Regardless, Cage, who had accumulated haunted mansions in New Orleans and flotillas of yachts, now found himself selling off much of his holdings to pay off the tax debt he faced. Which brings us to 2011, more than a decade after the theft of comics from Nicolas Cage's home. Comic seller Stephen Fischler had alerted other dealers to be on the lookout for Cage's stolen collection, but until a storage space was auctioned off by the host of the television series Storage Wars, the search seemed fruitless. Fellow comic dealer Vincent Zerzolo received a call after the items in the storage unit were purchased by a guy named Sylvester Lozano, who approached Zerzolo with a copy of Action Comics number one. Zerzolo requested a picture of the comic, and when he saw the excellent condition, he sent a picture of that comic to Stephen Fischler, who had sold Nicolas Cage his copy of Action Comics number one. Fischler recognized a small white spot on the comic's blue banner, a flaw unique to that particular comic book. Lozano was asking for a million dollars for the comic, thinking he'd hit it big thanks to this storage purchase. Fischler called Detective Herchik to say he believed the stolen comic had been located, and Herchik, with the help of Fischler, set up a sting. Herchik would pose as Fischler's assistant when they met with the new owner, Lozano, and another auctioneer named Mark Bellelo. Bellelo had organized the meeting between the prospective dealers and Lozano, expecting to get a tasty commission off the deal. However, when the four men met in Simi Valley, California, Fischler examined the comic in its lucite case, saw the flaw in the blue banner, and gave Herchik the signal. This was, in fact, the very same issue of Action Comics number one taken from the home of Nicolas Cage. When Herchik handed over his official LAPD card, Lozano and Bellelo knew that the deal that would have netted them six figures was off. Bellelo and Lozano left empty-handed and the comic book was authenticated by Sotheby's Auction House, who had sold the comic to a buyer before Fischler came into possession of it. But because Cage had already received claim money from the theft of the comic book from his insurance agency, the book was technically owned by them, the insurance company, until Nicolas Cage paid them back for the claim money that they'd given the actor. Fortunately, Nicolas Cage came up with cash, and Action Comics number one was once more owned by Nicolas Cage. Unfortunately, Nicolas Cage's creditors weren't going anywhere, and Cage ultimately sold the return comic for a whopping $2.1 million in that same year. To further pay off his creditors, Cage has spent many years in the 2000s accepting just about every role he's offered, which has had the effect of diluting Cage's worth in big Hollywood movies. But Cage finds his moments, even as he does the straight-to-video fare like Wally's Wonderland, in which he 
battles animatronic animals at an arcade. Think if the band from Showbiz Pizza went on a rampage or the post-apocalyptic B-movie The Humanity Bureau. These great moments from Cage, while infrequent, showcase an actor who is still daring and passionate about his craft. Performances in Mandy or the animated Into the Spider-Verse or his current turn in the film Pig have reconvinced critics that Nicolas Cage is for real and can still deliver a powerhouse performance when in the hands of a good director with the right script. With his love of comics then, it's little wonder he found his way into a non-Superman comic book adaptation. In 2007, Nicolas Cage hopped on the bike to play Johnny Blaze in Ghost Rider. Who is Johnny Blaze? I'm so glad you asked, curious listener. In the 1960s and 70s, Marvel struck out with a number of anti-hero characters, superheroes who operated in shades of gray. Unlike Superman or The Flash from DC Comics, characters like Black Widow and The Punisher and Elektra, and yes, Ghost Rider, all shared similar tones. They were heroes, sure, but they also made decisions that would land them in the villain column on occasion, and often put them in direct conflict with other superheroes in the Marvel Universe. Johnny Blaze's Ghost Rider first appeared in Marvel Spotlight No. 5 in August of 1972. His fathers were then-editor-in-chief of Marvel, Roy Thomas, and writers Gary Friedrich and Mike Plug. As initially envisioned, Johnny Blaze was a motorcyclist and stunt performer who learns his father is going to die. He makes a deal to save his father's life with a demonic entity known as Mephisto, the Marvel equivalent of the devil. In payment for his father's life, Johnny Blaze becomes host to the demon Zarathos. Zarathos is a, you guessed it, spirit of vengeance, and when the sun goes down and Johnny Blaze finds himself in the presence of evil, he is transformed into the Ghost Rider. Blaze transforms into a fiery skeleton, riding a motorcycle either fueled by or made of hellfire, depending on the circumstance and wields burning chains to stave off evildoers. He also possesses the ability of the Penance Stare, which sears the souls of the wicked through the Ghost Rider's hellish eyes. There have been other incarnations of the Ghost Rider, like the muscle car driving Robbie Reyes, or Danny Ketch with his high-tech bike, who kind of invented the Penance Stare, which later Johnny Blaze would adopt. But it was the classic Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider that made it to the big screen courtesy of writer-director Mark Steven Johnson. While the film wouldn't appear on screens until 2007, development of a film adaptation of the comic began 15 years earlier. Gail Ann Hurd, famous for producing Aliens and other big-budget blockbusters, would steward the project from a script by Jonathan Hensley, who was known for Jumanji and Armageddon. Later, David Goyer, who had written the Blade movies, gave the script a whirl, but the hellish cyclist couldn't quite get the engine started. In 2002, Columbia Pictures acquired the rights to the project after the whole thing stalled out at Dimension Films, and Columbia was fresh off of a success with the Spider-Man movies from Sam Raimi. Nicolas Cage caught wind of the project when actor Johnny Depp stepped aside for the role of Johnny Blaze, and Cage threw his hat in the ring to put on the leather jacket. With a new director, Mark Steven Johnson, signed on, production was once again moving forward. Ava Longoria was signed on as the love interest, and Peter Fonda would play Mephistopheles, the devilish dealmaker based on Mephisto from the comics. Finally, Wes Bentley, known for American Beauty, among other films, would be the villainous Blackguard. 
Unfortunately, the lack of a decent script pushed production again until finally Ghost Rider was shot and ready for release in 2007. Critics panned the movie, and Cage was nominated for a Razzie for his often unhinged performance, but Ghost Rider managed to scare up almost a quarter of a billion dollars. And so it was inevitable that a sequel would get the green light. Pre-production on Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance began in earnest in 2010, after Cage announced he would return to the role of Johnny Blaze. Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor, known professionally as directors Neveldine Taylor, were going to hop into the director's chair. They were coming off of a popular film called Crank, as well as its sequel, which starred Jason Statham, and the Gerard Butler effort Gamer before being selected to write and direct Jonah Hex. While still credited as screenwriters on that film, they stepped out of the director's role after creative differences with the studio. Christopher Lambert and Idris Elba were brought on alongside Kieran Hines, who effectively replaced Peter Fonda as Mephistopheles. David Goyer wrote the script, which picks up eight years after the events of the first film. All of the creatives insisted this was going to be a darker take on the Ghost Rider story, based loosely on the Road to Damnation run by Garth Ennis and Clayton Crane, notable comic writer and artist respectively. For the sequel, Cage would also wear a capture suit, so Neville Dean Taylor could get a motion capture performance of Cage as the Ghost Rider, replacing the pure animation of the first film. While one can argue that the combination of good actors paired with kinetic directors might spark some magic, Spirit of Vengeance was released to terrible reviews. Most agreed that the first Ghost Rider film was superior, and that wasn't all that good to begin with. With lackluster box office and rotten reviews, Nicolas Cage announced he would not be returning to the part of Johnny Blaze, and nobody seemed all that interested in a third movie. Rights for the character have since flipped back to Marvel as of 2013, who did give the Robbie Reyes incarnation a spin on the television series Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to some enthusiasm, but Ghost Rider has yet to make his big screen appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Cage continues to make movies from the terrible to the shockingly good, while Neville Dean Taylor have not worked together as directors since. But is the movie really that bad? Is there not some good to be mined from this bonkers sequel? To answer those questions, time to summon Chad Cooper and see if we can sort out this sinister cinema. Ladies and gentlemen, Neville Deans and Taylors, it's time for 2011's Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Welcome to a new episode of Pick 6 Movies. I am your host, Bo Ranstell, and with me, the uh, the the ghostly <laughs> Chad Cooper. How are you, sir? Flame on! That's, no, that's a different guy. Back off! Back off! No, that's, back. that's Firestarter. My biscuits are burning! I'm not even sure what that is. But it's not <laughs> what, what we're talking about tonight, which is the sequel <laughs> to the film Ghost Rider, oh, which is... Yes really boring 
And so instead of that, we're doing Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which is terrible, but I would argue not boring. I saw that first Ghost Rider movie. Hello, everyone. I saw that first Ghost Rider movie over, I don't know, like a decade ago. I thought you were going to say over Christmas. Like gathering <laughs> no. the kids around. It, come on, everybody. It's Ghost Rider. I didn't even know that they made a sequel to that movie, Bo. So first off, a thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And, and I watched this movie before you finished your introduction. So I didn't know anything about Ghost Rider as a character. Upon that initial pass through of this sequel, I remembered nothing of the original other than it existed and it wasn't very good. But as best as I can surmise, Ghost Rider as a character, he's basically what? Jekyll and Hyde. He's like the Incredible Hulk or Captain Caveman, but he's like a spooky skeleton Fonzie on fire kind of guy. Is that a fair yeah, assessment? There, it, there is that Jekyll and Hyde werewolf aspect where you've got sort of the tortured human being who is saddled with this curse that he can't really control so you know he ends up like hurting people and stuff like that not because he wants to but because of uh zarathos the the demon that possesses him yes so by day he's just a regular old joe who is a motorcycle stunt guy but inside him is this demon that sucks the souls out of people but he's kind of a good demon like hot stuff that adorable little child devil from the comic books that was what happened to richie rich after he was sent to hell for treating poor people so bad on earth i don't recall any of that but yes <laughs> exactly all right let me bring it into more modern day pop culture references he's like little nicky i've never seen that all right let me put it in terms uh, you'll understand yes he's like john lovitz in that red spandex onesie with a plastic trident at his side yeah or maybe even a jason <laughs> sudeikis to update that even a bit more when he played the devil it's kind of that like you know as i mentioned in the in the introduction the thing with ghost rider and a lot of those anti-hero comic characters like man thing was sort of in this category where they were sort of morally gray where ghost rider when he was possessed by the spirit of zarathos would occasionally do shit that would put him at odds with like daredevil or somebody who would be like well we can't let ghost rider go around murdering criminals like that's not what we do we just beat him up and, and take him to the police but ghost rider doesn't give a shit about that he'll just like tear their soul apart like hellraiser and so he's not really a good guy but he certainly is anti-evil i guess he's like an antival yeah that that <coughs> terrorist group well up front there's one thing i really liked about this movie and it was the runtime it's an Ooh. easy buck 35 and it was full of all kinds of dopey action sequences which meant i didn't have to pay close attention to what was going on when i took notes oh i'll do you one better chad yeah it'll tell you 135 credits start rolling at 128 on this guy yeah it was 88 minutes at the end of this i was like nice <laughs> yeah and after that hideous howard the duck it was at least like oh this is a very simple story it's not particularly well told but oh. it, like the first five minutes sets up the movie and that's what the movie is it doesn't shift gears and all that bullshit when the credits roll you get a glimpse of the marvel knights logo which is one of those we hardly knew ye kind of things where they dump like the punisher movies it basically kind of r-rated 
adapted or non-family friendly Marvel adaptations were ostensibly going to fall under the Marvel Knights. I think even Blade might have been Marvel Knights. And yeah, it was a thing that's fallen by the wayside. I'm hoping that they do a sort of refresher on that with Deadpool now being part of the MCU. I hope that Disney doesn't get too gun shy and, and lets a couple of these movies that need to be a little dirty be a little dirty. I'm sick and tired of fanboys coming in and telling movie companies, hey, this is bullshit. You need to cast this actor in this movie and do this comic series and do it right. In fact, here's a spec script I wrote. Just use this for the production. Just shut up. Let them make the movies they want to make. I'm not picking actors here. <laughs> I'm saying if you're going to adapt. Like- you know who I'm talking about. Oh, sure. Tom Holland is Nathan Drake, please. Nathan Fillion <laughs> is obviously the choice to be in that movie. Give me a break, guys. There's no way I'm going to give you my money here. One, please. Anytime somebody is a fan of something to the extent that they're like, you guys, I just put together a petition. <laughs> as soon as somebody says that, you need to cut them out of your life. They're going to drag you down. <laughs> Sign my online petition. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. And like, oh, re- release the Goyer cutting suicide squad. <laughs> you know what I don't need is any more of that fucking movie. I don't care how good it is. I don't give a shit about it. You talking about the one we reviewed? Either. Both. I don't care. <laughs> I, you know, I saw The Suicide Squad and it was fine. That movie's fine. It's not great. It's totally fine. That movie has exactly like three really good scenes in it. And the best of all of them is the punchline and setup of Bloodsport and what is the John Cena character, the Patriot or Peacemaker or whatever, murdering everyone in that village in grotesque ways, only to discover those were the good guys. Totally great scene. The Suicide Squad should have been a short film and it should have been that. The whole thing would have been eight minutes long. Everybody could have gotten out of there and gotten laid. Do you realize the irony of you being a fanboy and doing exactly what I just said pisses me off that fanboys do? Look, I yes, <laughs> I am invested in the Marvel. I, I'm invested in comic book movies in a way that I'm not invested in in a lot of other shit. Like that, I'll tell you, here's another. Listen up, Chad. <laughs> here's another thing that you can just keep thinking. Check out darkuniverse.com. That, there you can see a number of petitions about how you can make the dark universe good. I will tell you first, of all the invisible man is your starting point that's a pretty good movie (laughs) you get rid of johnny depp and you don't let james Wan anywhere near it that guy is a hack i don't care about anything i all i watch is the garbage we talk about and that's it i don't see nothing man Speaking of the garbage that we talk about. Yeah, let's let all right, yeah. So enough about Marvel Knights. And by the way, if anyone's interested in more of my thoughts on Marvel Knights, you can check out BoesMarvelKnights.com <laughs> where I not only review all of the Marvel Knights films, but I also propose new casts if they were to reboot it. So anyway, enough of that. Go on, Chad. What were you saying? Our movie starts off and we see a stranger bow riding on a motorcycle down a winding road along the side of a mountain, and there's a security camera that tracks him as he passes by oh so quickly and it looks like he's on his way to the cabin in the woods which 
actually is kind of fitting because he's meeting Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is a reference I know you don't know, but there are at least three people listening that will get that. <laughs> Our stranger arrives, and a bunch of priests or holy men or monks, I don't know what they are, they come walking out to meet our mysterious motorcycle rider. He takes off his helmet bow, and it's Idris Elba. What the hell is he doing in this movie? This is Stringer Bell. Yeah, at the time, he was, I guess Stringer Bell was as close uh, to stardom as he'd come. This is pre, you know, him be blowing up and becoming uh, an actor in everything. He had a real long acting career leading up to this. He was in everything, but still, it's like, what are you doing slumming it in this, man? Well, I mean, at the time, he wasn't slumming it. But yeah, I mean, you're right. In in retrospect, he certainly is. And he's actually a lot of fun in this, I think. I think there are several people that are giving fun performances, and I think Idris Elba is one. And because, first of all, you may be surprised to hear this, Chad, Idris Elba, not French. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes and in this movie he's french as shit he's actually greek yeah idris elba lithuanian not a lot of people know that about him he but he takes off his motorcycle helmet and giles from buffy is there he plays a character named moreau uh-huh moreau that's a too close for comfort reference there's one person <laughs> listening that knows that and it's me <laughs> I, I get it as soon as he takes off his helmet he's like hello is the boy safe and giles is like well yes uh he is perfectly safe he's safe with us and moreau's like not for much longer <laughs> <laughs> They go inside this monastery. Yeah, the holy server room. Yeah. <laughs> this castle looks like we're inside NORAD. There's computers and screens everywhere. And there are guys in lab coats clickety-clacking on keyboards and monitoring all these, well, everythings. And they discuss their safety in this church compound. And Moreau says, Respectfully, Benedict, the devil himself wants the child. He must go to the sanctuary and the radar. The ghost rider must take him. <laughs> that is the plot of our movie, people. And Giles says, I think you're probably drunk. Are you drunk, Moreau? Oh. Again? <laughs> is it a desert Indians? Why? <laughs> then the answer is yes. Besides, you filthy drunk, in a few days, the solstice, or whatever, will be passed, and the boy will be of no use to the devil. In a few days, the winter solstice will end the prophecy. And I was like, oh, Christ, we're in a prophecy movie? Any film that just goes on and on about the end times and prophecies, it's a bunch of make-em-up nonsense bullshit. And this movie's no different. A prophecy's just a prediction of something to come. It's like a fortune cookie or a weather forecast. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. And in fact, Bo, in most movies, characters prevent the prophecy from ever happening. So with hindsight, the prophecy wasn't even accurate to begin with. The prophecy should have been, hey, this thing almost might happen, but then a bunch of people are going to come in here and screw it up. There should have been a Christopher Walken crossover with the, his prophecy movies in this. <laughs> hey, what prophecy are you talking about? No, no, this one is the devil and the little boy. Yeah, I know. That's kind of my jam. No, no, not this time. You go away, Christopher Walken. We will sick the ghost right on you. Oh, wow. Ghost Rider. No thanks. I'm gone. Patron. I'll sit on the back of a chair and then spread my invisible wings and take off. Also, I've got black eyes 
It's crazy. <laughs> Moreau says, if you wait, everyone here is going to be dead. If you don't mind, I'm going to drink alcohol from a flask, which is the universal symbol of a character in a movie having a drinking problem, which I don't have. I drink is no problem. <laughs> Isn't my addiction adorably charming? Before Giles could toss him out on the street or call bouncers or something, <laughs> soldiers just start busting in through the open windows and murdering these techno monks left and right. Dude, it's like the end of Christmas vacation. Just the SWAT team comes crashing in through every stone window hole that's around this place. This whole sequence where the SWAT team comes in, there are about six actors that they use over and over again from in like different angles because this movie is badly made. The editing is especially bad. And these armed militiamen that bust into Castle Munkenstein, there are these sinister white guys who pop out of the car and they look like real bad dudes. But among the chaos bow we get to see a woman in a red leather coat with a kid and at first i thought is she with the bad guys that got out of the cars because they didn't edit this correctly at all yeah which by the way how did these bad guys even get into this compound there were security cameras everywhere Bo. how does that happen carl you're on security monitoring good going stupid you had one job daryl this is the last time I hire one of my sister's boyfriends and his idiot fraternity brother, you dumbass. Are you even a monk? Well, I went to, like, Bible camp. That doesn't count. Shit, you just had to sit here and look at the TV all day and tell us if people were going to come in and kill us. Look around you, shithead. People are dying left and right. Hey, in my defense, I was looking at the TV. I just turned it over to Boogie Nights because I love that movie. <laughs> Then our villains, our secondary villain <laughs> shows <my> up. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a guy named Kerrigan, and he's with a buddy that I don't think ever has a name, but I refer to him as Ram Man, because his defining characteristic is that he has a battering ram that he carries around. And FYI, Chad, I kind of wish I had a friend that didn't say anything and just followed me like a Flava Flav without all the, the talky talk and just uh -huh. had a battering ram to open doors that were locked. Bottom. Oh, Black Betty, Ramblin' Roll, Black Betty, Ramblin' Got a big Ramblin' Knock down this door, Ramblin' So Nadia is the woman. She and and her son Danny. Wait, is it Danny or Damien? It's Danny. It's all okay. for you, Danny. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> My favorite scene of this movie is when they try to take Danny through the drive-through zoo and all the baboons attack him. Oh, uh, that's fun. Nadia gets a gun out and she starts shooting at Moreau as he's following her and he leaps over this winding staircase rail and he lands a couple of flights below and at first i was like does this guy have superpowers or is he just one of those drunks who overestimates his ability to defy gravity i saw a drunk guy one time on a mountain bike drive off the second story of a parking garage to the street below and then a little bit later i saw that same guy get into the back of an ambulance on a gurney yeah, this is one of those things where Moreau is really going to feel this when he sobers up. But right now, like his superpower <laughs> is just fortified wine. And so after he jumps down and chases after him, he's like, wait for me. I'm here to help you. And they're like, fuck this kapow, drunk. Kapow, yeah. kapow. And they, they slam a door in his face and he's like, Zutalo, and has to go back upstairs and, and get out that way. <laughs> And so Kerrigan, meanwhile, our villain, who looks a little bit like Dermot Mulroney. 
I have him as a young Kurt Russell. Yeah, but he's got kind of the scar on his lip that is Mulroney-esque. Mm-hmm. But at any rate. He kind of looks a little bit like Mallory's boyfriend, Nick, from Family Ties. Yeah, he was in... <laughs> My Demon Lover. That's Yeah, that's exactly where I was headed. <laughs> We're old. <laughs> My Demon Lover, the fact that we haven't done that on this show is shocking. That's a rotten movie, and I can't wait for us to do it. In fact, stay tuned, listeners. That may be the next episode. Is it based on a comic book? You pepper it into the season. I'll I'll sketch something out on a piece of paper. It'll be fine. We'll we'll upload it to DeviantArt. (laughs) And this happy little fellow up here is the sun. Kerrigan has found Giles. Wait, who's Giles? Giles the monk. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The head monk. Yeah, and he's like... Hey, where's the kid? And then a car busts out, driven by Nadia with the the kid in tow. And Kerrigan sees this, and he's like, oh, there he is. And then just murders Giles immediately. Yeah. Kablamo. Yeah. Kablooey. Carl. Five black mid-sized vehicles came up the road. Hell, it was a parade. One job, Carl. Yeah, but it was the scene with Roller Girl. And so... I mean, I'm not going to turn that off, am I right? Like Heather Graham, I got to, I got to Just let us know if their car's coming. Specifically, menacing-looking black cars, and a bunch of them. Whoa, is that Marky Mark's dick? That's not real, is it? You know, I've been asking myself that a lot, and I really think, bam, bam, bam. So then, Bo, a car chase happens. Yeah. With Nadia and Danny, and Moreau hops on his motorcycle, so he chases them, drunk driving in high speed. And then our bad guys, they all chase after Moreau, and then. Then one thing leads to another. Moreau gets one of his tires shot by a bullet and he zooms over a safety wall on this winding road. And then we get a slow motion shot of Moreau falling backward, firing his weapon into the air, releasing a bullet that hits the tire of our bad guy's car who crash. And Bo, this is the most badass scene in a movie that you have ever witnessed if you're 10 or 11 years old or someone who has never seen a movie in their life ever. (laughs) that's right yeah he shoots out the tire the the bad guys go flipping away and nadia and danny are able to escape and as soon as this happens we cut to credits Mm -hmm. where an animated sequence begins where nicholas cage tells us the story of the first movie it's me nicholas cage i just want to tell you that my name is johnny blaze in this movie i was a stunt writer you might have remembered me doing a bare-ass 360 triple loop. It's on YouTube. My dad got cancer, and I sold my soul to the devil so my dad wouldn't die. I was possessed by an ancient demon. In the presence of evil, I changed into a monster like Jabberjaw or Hong Kong Fooey. I prey on the wicked, and I suck out their souls. But unfortunately, the demon that possesses me doesn't make very good distinctions. And so even if you're just a little bit bad, he will suck out your soul like yours or yours and there's this thing where this animated skull is looking out at us the viewer like me oh my god oh the ghostwriter's looking at me this backstory is all set to this animated sequence that looks better suited for a video game a lot of this movie feels inspired by video games yeah but if you've ever seen crank which you shouldn't 
I won't. Yeah. <laughs> Neville Dean Taylor as a directorial entity are very much that quick cut, rapid fire sort of filmmaking where you don't worry about anything making sense. You just keep everything moving and maybe no one will pay attention. Yeah. Nicolas Cage goes on to say, since the last movie, I've traveled halfway around the world due to tax breaks associated with making movies in Romania and Turkey. And this introduction wraps up and we get our first close up of Nicolas Cage, who, but he's in what his mid 40s when this was filmed and i don't know how old the character of johnny blaze was in the comic books but i'm pretty sure he wasn't a middle-aged dad the receding hairline is a little problematic in this a little problematic (laughs) but what's worse that or a a terrible piece i would argue you could have put dick van patten in this and it would have been equally as believable (laughs) hey dick van patten was on eight is enough he was also in the crowd of the smells like nirvana video oh that's right he was eating a ham sandwich so nicholas cage (laughs) when he wakes up he looks at this scar on his hand which is evidence of the deal he made with the devil and then moreau comes in (laughs) my sweet petunia i know you are hiding from me and Nicolas Cage grabs Moreau, throws him against the wall, and is like, Who are you, and why do you smell like Thunderbird? Oh, it is a funny story. All my religious brothers, they are dead, and I shall be dead too. Listen to my tale. I had a motorcycle crash, but due to me being drunk, my bones, they went limp. I fell down, and I landed in the trees below, and filled my pants with warm urine. So here I am. By the way, do you have a washing machine or a fresh pair of trousers that might fit me huh and there is a cutaway to moreau upside down in a tree (laughs) as he describes this and faintly in the background we hear the french national anthem faintly play yeah but this cutaway is about three seconds long and it feels like a family guy gag it does is it a joke yeah, I think so. It's supposed to be a moment of levity for sure. I, I got confused. Are you just explaining how this guy isn't dead? His only superpower is his liver and how strong it is to process all of the booze he consumes. Speaking of, he grabs a bottle that happens to be laying around this shanty where Nicolas Cage is holed up, gives it a sniff winces at it and then just hurls it through a window which shatters the blacked out window and throws sunlight on johnny blaze aka nicholas cage who reacts like he is bart simpson without a soul where he's just like yeah oh it's beautiful and he's like the light appears to hurt you nicholas cage i bet that's because of the demon is it i mean he can walk around in the sun it doesn't really matter later he's not a vampire yeah well moreau says like it lacks the darkness no and and there's a line earlier where nicholas cage in the terrible narration at the beginning talks about how that the darkness is slowly consuming him that's why he left for europe and after he says this moreau you know gives him shit about not liking sunlight and so nicholas cage just walks outside into the sunlight at this point listen up nicholas cage i need your help all right you have the rider inside of you you can make the rider work for you no hey come back here nicholas cage shit and nicholas cage grabs this heavy ass chain and Uh is like how about a little chain to the gut moreau and then Mm. throws the chain at him hits him in the gut and then wraps this chain around his neck like a bullwhip or something yeah 
And Moreau is like, oh, I can get you your soul back. Look at this picture. It is of a boy. If you find him, I will save your soul and remove the rider from inside your body. The man who puts that demon inside you, his name is Rock. He is the link that connects you to this child. This is also the plot of the movie. <laughs> Look, I don't exactly save people. I'm kind of a murder everyone who's wicked kind of guy. Nicholas Cage looks at this picture of the kid and he says, What are you kidding me? We got ourselves a family here! <laughs> Moreau says, If you can bring this boy safely to this sanctuary, then I can free you from your curse. We cut to downtown Romania, where we're in a cafe or a restaurant or something, and Nadia, she's eyeing this 1980s IBM regional sales manager across the way. He's this doughy, balding, middle-aged guy, and he walks over to Nadia, who is still wearing her red leather jacket. It's kind of her thing, Bo, because she wears it the whole movie. She also has a lot of eye makeup on, and it's all smudged. Looks like she's been crying quite a bit. And our businessman says, oh, excuse me, but I couldn't help but notice you a sexy, seductive quite possibly heroin-addicted female, looking at me from across the room, in which case I surmise that you and I could perhaps have a sexual intercourse. And then Danny, her son, runs over and says, Hey, Mom, is this guy trying to get in your pants? The businessman says, A son? You have a son? I'd rather insert my genitalia into a rotten pumpkin over a woman who's born a child. And so he takes off and we get the reveal that Danny is like, look at this, mom. I got his wallet and his wedding ring. Yeah, he's a real artful dodger there. Yeah, and she's like, <laughs> yes, his wife is going to have much to get explained to her because of his genitals wanting to be in uh, women uh, in Europe. We cut outside to the streets of CBU, Romania, where Nadia and Danny are making their escape. And both this movie does that thing where nothing adventurous is happening. So the filmmakers just whip the camera around as if to be looking for the characters to make this more chaotic with increased visual motion. It happens here, but it's just two people walking over and getting into a car. It's like something that happens in Target parking lots daily, but they make it zip around like, oh, what's going to happen? Is something going to go down? Kathunk, kathunk. We see like a storm brewing in the distance. And we also see that Kerrigan and Ram Man are in a car nearby and are, are following Nadia away. But you can't fake high-speed tension and adventure just by zipping the camera around in fast motion. It reminded me of uh, a sketch on Mr. Show for the movie trailer for Coupon the Movie. Remember this one? <laughs> yeah. Where the most popular coupon in America was turned into a movie and it was for socks. And the whole trailer includes every cliche imaginable from an action movie. And the whole thing is about this woman just going to buy socks for her kids. And that's what this movie is. It's just boring nothing that happens and they present it in such a way that there are high stakes when there are no stakes this yeah. is a mom and her son getting in a hatchback and right. it's all bump 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 no stop and so we on the back of the storm in the background we cut over to moreau who is watching this storm roll in from his perch in this busted out window taking a, another nip of courage sure <laughs> inside nicholas cage is staring at this kid's picture and we get a little more narration where he says normally i fight the writer but tonight i need him and then 
We cut over to Kerrigan following Nadia and Danny on the road, and he starts to like bump the ass of Nadia's car to let mm-hmm. us know, like, oh, some business is going down. Prior to this, Nadia's rubbing her son's cheek while he sleeps in the car, and Kaja Gugu's song, You're too shy, shy, hush, hush, I die. Yeah, I noticed too that. Too shy, shy, hush, hush. I die. They went all out for the soundtrack on Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, Bo. Yeah, we all have Kasha Gugu's greatest hits laying around. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, that CCR revival record. I think they got that song with a coupon. Yeah, with that, you also get uh, Hold Me Now by the Thompson Twins. <laughs> Comes as a, a B side kind of situation. Out of nowhere, Bo, a car chase really kicks into high gear, and our bad guys run them off the road, kind of like those Cobra Kai punks when they chase Danny LaRusso off that embankment after the costume party yeah we get maybe my favorite shot of the movie back at Nicolas cage's squatters pad uh-huh. where he is like pacing around and then he starts screaming and his eyes go a little skeletal it's not what i mean but then you see the glow of the fire inside the building and moreau kind of follows around the edge of the building as you see just the glow of the fire as it moves away and it was like oh that's a really cool tease of the ghost rider and i wish there had been more of that kind of patient style in the movie instead of all this quick cutting but what are you gonna do when I saw it, I thought, hey, that looks like when Yosemite Sam ran off with that barrel of gunpowder and then Bugs Bunny set it on fire because he's a stinker. <laughs> he is a stinker. Did you watch Space Jam 2? Of course not. I want to see Space Jam 3 with Shaq in it. Hey, Bugs, does your back hurt? Put some icy hot on it. Hey, Elmer Fudd, did you know the general can enter your car no matter how many accidents you've had? Hey, Tasmanian Devil, I know you eat trees and rocks, but if you tried this new Papa John stuffed trust shack attack pizza, ukakiku, this pizza is fantastic. That's what I'm talking about, Tash. You should have been uh, a copywriter for an ad firm a la Mad Men. <laughs> I just wanted to do my shack and my Taz uh, impressions. That way I have an excuse to talk about the tattoos on both of my biceps. You know, I thought those were bold choices for you, but the more I think about it, the more I feel like it was right. And in no way going to sag sadly through your aging process. I think Shaq will eventually just look like Red Fox. The Taz is already starting to look like a melted Hershey bar. It looks like uh, one of those Easter chocolate bunnies if you just grab hold of it for a while. Let your natural human heat sand down those rough edges <laughs> all right so ghost rider heads off to save nadia and danny why exactly because moreau promised to get the ghost rider out of nicholas cage yes and so okay. after they've run the like kerrigan and his flunkies have run nadia and danny off the road nadia uh gets out of the car with her gun as if to murder them but is quickly subdued Oh, yes. Then one of the flunkies drags Danny out of the car. And there's a a moment I really like where Danny struggles. And this dude shoves this kid against the car hard enough to give him like a vertebra injury. He face slams this kid on the gravel, too. Oh, my God. I've not seen this type of abuse since Brett the Hitman Hart went toe-to-toe in the squared circle with Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. Where are the refs? This cannot be legal. Get them back in the ring, ref. When the guy bounces this kid off the car, he gives it a whoops. Yeah. Yeah. And the giggle really undermines the whoops, Bo. 
<laughs> he didn't mean that. No, he didn't, but I enjoyed it. I like that fat bearded thug watching on with some level of disapproval or apathy. I couldn't tell which one it was. He gets his in the end, as we'll get to in a, in a bit. There's a struggle. There's some gunshots. Nadia begs for her life. And then, Bo, off in the distance, we hear velociraptors. Yeah, as the <laughs> ghost rider bursts onto the scene. And Nicolas Cage, as the Ghost Rider, steps off this bike as if to tell them all, guess what? Fireboy's here. And they start shooting at him. But before they start the shooting, he does this little impromptu Michael Jackson dance move. And then he starts laying waste to the bad guys. In in your introduction, you said that Nicolas Cage was in the motion capture suit for this. That's right. Which I saw the movie first. Then I heard your introduction and I flashed back to how sad I was that this man in his 40s was doing these little dance moves in this green suit covered in ping pong balls. Man, we'll we'll get into the ins and outs of these specific moments. I unabashedly love Nicolas Cage. And I love Nicolas Cage in this movie because he goes for it. There is not a thing he does in this movie that is not turned to 11. But that's what you get with a Nicolas Cage movie. When you... Not always. Not always. Like, leaving Las Vegas When you cast Nicolas Cage in a movie... Yes. It is like going to a restaurant that specializes in chicken hot wings. Now, if you want Nicolas Cage in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, that's just the plain fried chicken wing with no sauce on it, okay? Uh-huh. If you want something that's a little more appealing to mass audiences, you go with Honey Barbecue, and that is your Raising Arizona, mm-hmm. right? From there, you just start to ramp it up to the level of crazy that you want from Nicolas Cage. It's expected that he's going to give you some level of burning asshole or at least mouth on fire in every performance like a normal person's crazy 10 is a nick cage six you need to see pig that is a nicholas cage like negative three he is so quiet and subdued in that movie it's stunning is he just making movies now where he doesn't even have to talk? Because he did that Five Nights at Freddy's thing that you no. mentioned in the intro. No, 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 no. Where he fought the gang from what the hell was the TV show? No, it wasn't the Banana Splits. It was yeah. He fought the Banana Splits. Kind of. That's a different creature. It's the line, same movie. To movie. No, Pig people. is legit. Like, and I, I will say this to our listeners too: if you want to be reminded that Nicolas Cage, when given the right circumstance, is one of the best actors around, Pig is it. Pig is incredibly good. And like it's it's a leaving Las Vegas level performance. I heard Alec Baldwin was going to be in that originally with his daughter. Is that true? In leaving Las Vegas? I would have no, seen that. Pig. Oh, I get it. That's awful because he <laughs> called his daughter a pig. Anyway, but so Nicolas Cage, yes, he is he is this is like a 60,000 degree scoville level Nicolas Cage. All All through this movie. And yeah, he's disintegrating people with his hellfire chain. And he grabs one dude and says, hungry. And (laughs) gives gives this dude like a little taste of the pennant stare. And the dude just explodes. And a drop of blood hits the ground. And when that happens, Danny in the car wakes up as if he is somehow attuned to death and murder and mayhem, I suppose. Yeah, saw this movie twice. Didn't remember that at all. And then Kerrigan has some kind of heavy-duty shotgun. It's a rocket launcher or a grenade launcher. I think he heard there were grizzly bears in the area, Bo. Oh, man. 
If only Andrew Prime <laughs> was flying a helicopter over this. Now, if you look down there, boys, you're going to see a ghost rider attacking a bunch of ne'er-do-wells. And, you know, it's that kind of natural beauty that we want to preserve. Uh, yeah, he, he, he takes this grenade launcher, shoots the ghost rider once which launches him into a car that ain't gonna kill ghost rider bo he's ghost rider right so he uses another one and this time it just explodes and kerrigan and his pal take off with this kid leaving ghost rider presumably dead and nadia just laying by the side of the road knocked out Mm -hmm. cut to the next day we're in a hospital Nicholas Cage wakes up in a bed and a woman walks in in hospital scrubs and Nicholas Cage says, when you walked in, I thought I was still dreaming. Look, I'm not hallucinating. I'm flirting with you. I'm sorry. I need morphine, <laughs> Valium, Oxycontin, heroin, ayahuasca, jinkum. What drugs do you have? That is shockingly close to the actual dialogue of this scene. Thank you. Yeah, it's quite good. Then she takes off because she's like, you are starting to scare me, sir. And then takes off. I scare everyone! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This bedpan is full of my feces and urine. Sometimes <laughs> it's just hard to regulate my volume. After she leaves, he grabs his jacket and shit and is sneaking off. After she leaves, he rifles through an unlocked medicine case, which, for what it's worth, listeners, if it's an unlocked medical case in a doctor's office, the good stuff you're looking for isn't there this is full of saline solution rubbing alcohol hydrogen peroxide what you're looking for requires a key or a passcode or a chair what doctor's officer are you still seeing your pediatrician like you're looking for the lollies not to stand on chad to hurl something through oh my fault yeah 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 Whoa. yeah I, it's more of a queen's gambit style <laughs> drug heist i thought you were just getting on your tippy toes looking for a treat how tall do you think I am? I haven't shrunk. Your doctors are all ex-NBA players. <laughs> yeah, Shaq is my primary caregiver. Looks like you've been hitting the bike pretty good. Seem to have lost some BMI. I appreciate it. I'm going to leave the room. Remember, don't stand in that chair because all the morphine is on the top shelf. Also, that's where I keep the super bubble. I got both regular grape and sour apple up there i count the pieces every day if you take one i'll know that you took it i was in steel do you remember that have you ever considered taking a carnival cruise it is fun for the entire family so after nicholas cage <laughs> swipes all these bottles of what i presume are just insulin he takes off and sees nadia taken off out of the hospital and he just follows her out who admitted him to the hospital Bo? it's europe you don't have to pay for shit <laughs> but who took him there i am sure that somebody <laughs> noticed explosions on the road at some point like somebody drove by and was like oh my god hans look at that it looks like a ghost ride has been exploded dial six for one that's what you call for emergencies that involve fires dial seven two six that is for ghost riders hans you're so stupid <laughs> When he sees Nadia, they give each other the up and down with a, wait a minute, do I know you? And then we make our way outside. Does Nicolas Cage suffer any injuries when he's Ghost Rider? Because they show that he has some scars on his belly, but they look more like the wounds that Johnny Knoxville got when he was blasted with that crowd control beanbag on the firing range. It seems a little... I don't know, understated if he had been blasted with two grenade launchers. I'm Nicolas Cage, and this is Ghost Rider Sonny Corleone. <laughs> 
it doesn't come up that much, but I, I think the implication is that he has sort of a wound hangover when he turns back into just plain old Johnny Blaze. But again, this is not anything that matters at any <laughs> other point in the movie, so don't even worry about it, everybody. We cut to the country, and we get to see Kerrigan and his thugs bouncing Danny around. They kick him down on the ground, like picking on kids. I think they might be bullies, Bo. <laughs> yeah, uh, they never saw that documentary, Chad. That's a real shame. And Kerrigan calls Rourke, who is the devil as played by Kieran Hines, and he's like, listen, pal, I'm going to need more money. And Rourke's like, look, we had a deal. We do not change deals. And Kerrigan is like, well, I didn't know I was going to be walking into a horror movie. There was some dude on fire. Uh, you should have read the fine print down at the very bottom of the contract. It clearly stated that you were going to be dealing with a monster, a flaming demon from the bowels of hell. Look, you know I can't read. Yes, I do know that. That's why I chose you. Look, why don't you put that boy on the phone? So Kerrigan holds the phone up to Danny's head. Hello, Danny. Uh, I'm going to whisper some words in your ears. Devil words. Devil words. And then Danny screams like a demon and passes out. Forswear. I be forswear. <laughs> oh, dick. And then Danny screams out, ah! Oh my God! Right. And then Kerrigan gets back on the phone. He's like, what the hell did you say to that kid? Rolling around on the ground, holding his ears? Well, listen, I upload a program of sorts. A firewall, if you will, so your flaming friend can't track Danny any longer. But the same isn't true of you, Kerrigan. If I were you, I would keep moving. All right, whatever you say, but I need more money? No, no, no. We are past that now. This scene has gone on long enough and no more talk of deals. We cut to Nicolas Cage. He's staggering out of the hospital and he sees Nadia and gives pursuit and he's still suffering the injuries from the night before, so he's holding his belly. And Nadia is over trying to boost a car and as she gets close, she pulls a gun out on Nicolas Cage and says, Did the devil send you? And Nicolas Cage says, The kid? Danny! He's your son! If I can't find your son, then I'd sooner rather be dead! Yeah, he like holds the gun to his forehead. Go on, just do it! You tracked us last night. You can do it again, no? I really wish I could, but something's blocking me now! Maybe if you and I hooked up, we could find your son. Do you have a wallet and a wedding ring in your pocket? If not, this deal is off. I've never been married. My wife is the road! I could sense your son last night, but today I can't. No, wait, he's not dead. Apparently, he's got a computer firewall inside him. Someone must have whispered into his ear, preventing me from seeing him. We should get Clive Owen on the case, like in that movie Firewall. So these two head off in a flatbed tow truck to go find Danny, and they decide to recap the movie's plot for people who just showed up in the theater, which <laughs> they only stole the flatbed tow truck so that they could put Nicolas Cage's motorcycle on the back because they're going to need it later in the movie. Yeah, I assume so. I can't fit my bike on that. That's just a little Volkswagen rabbit. How about that <laughs> truck over there? I've never driven a truck like that. You're going to learn. I will teach you to drive a stick. As they're driving down the road, Nicolas Cage says, The guys who kidnapped Danny and tried to kill you and they tried to blow me up with grenades from a grenade launcher. Their leader, he's your, your boyfriend? 
Cadigan was a gun runner, drug dealer, mercenary real estate investor, venture capitalist, record producer, self-published author. He's also starting his own line for fashion with men's tights. He says it is the future. Leggings for men. Ridiculous. I was a fool to fall in love with him once. He was a fool to fall in love with me. We have history, but no, he is not my boyfriend. Yeah, she goes on to say that there was some deal that went bad. And when it did, the entire building that I was in, it blew up. And there I was, under a big piece of rock. I thought I was going to die. I was choking on my own blood. And then in comes Kieran Hines. And I was like, hey, you're actor Kieran Hines. You're very talented. And he says, no, no, I am the devil. And I said, oh, well, how about you get me out from under this rock? And he says, okay, but you're going to have the Antichrist. How does that grab you? And I said, fine, you know, I got nothing going on this summer. I was going to maybe make my way to Coachella, but I didn't. So here we are. I get it. You're the devil's baby mama. You know, I was in a movie once where I kidnapped a baby that belonged to a boisterous man named Nathan Huffine. He changed his last name to Arizona for financial gain. He owned a chain of unpainted furniture stores in the southwestern parts of the United States. After kidnapping the small tot, a bounty hunter on a motorcycle came after me. He too wielded a chain and attacked me in that movie. I somehow emerged victorious as I pulled a grenade attached to his leather vest and he exploded in the desert sun. Perhaps I should enact similar techniques in this movie, which is clearly far inferior to the one of which I speak. That is good story. I think it is good idea to change name from Hofheinz to Arizona. Never buy unpainted furniture from unpainted Hofheinz. You know, I changed my last name from Coppola to Cage because I like comic books, according to the introduction of this episode. That was good introduction. <laughs> Learned very much about comic books and also comic book heist was interesting <laughs> twist in in middle of introduction. At this point we get another video game cut scene animation where Nicolas Cage voices over why does the devil walk the earth in human form? I don't know. He just passes from body to body looking for the perfect fit. And then there is this montage of murderers from history including Genghis Khan and Idi Amin and Saddam Hussein and then it's capped off with Jerry Springer throwing the peace sign. Timely. That's a joke that's evergreen, Chad. This is not a funny movie, and it has quite a few jokes that just land face first on the ground like a child being dropped by a henchman. Case in point, this Jerry Springer reference. Yeah, there's one later on that is the biggest thud of a joke in the film, but we'll come to that. So, yeah, he, he says, when the devil is in human form, he's weak. He needs emissaries and uses the power of the deal. Yeah, and then the directors of this movie show up ripping off the Pink Floyd album cover for Wish You Were Here, holding hands. One of them's on fire, and the other one's just giving a little palm-to-palm -palm action. Yeah, it's terrible. That's nice. And so, all right, back in Kerrigan's car, Danny yeah. is ready to get out of the situation by- Hey, guys! I need to open the window by in the back seat! We all know what that means, Bo. He farted. He smelt it rolls down the window. That's how that old saying goes. Kerrigan looks at him and gives it a, shut up! Hey there, pal! What if I do this? And he just leans forward, grabs the steering wheel, and jerks it hard to the left. Yeah. Car fishtails yeah. on the highway. Crashes, starts flipping. And uh, like as it's starting to skid, Danny puts on his seatbelt. 
Yeah, quick goat thinking there, Danny. <laughs> yeah, good job, kid. And the car starts flipping around and crashing, and then Danny uh, g- gets out of the car and takes off. Holy shit! I'm not hurt at all! I'm gonna get out of here! I'm invincible! I'm like the Black Widow. Nothing hurts me. Except for lawsuits. <laughs> oh, that shit's going to get settled. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, they've already cut ties with her. Yeah, fine. Who cares? Listen, if you're going to cast Black Widow. Look, you've already got Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova. She can't show up in the Hawkeye series, so what's the harm? Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow was already dead thanks to Avengers Endgame. So Kerrigan gets out of the car. He's not dead. Our Ram man, he gets out. He's not dead. So we got a henchman left. They go chasing after Danny. Fat bastard gets stuck. He's like the fat henchman. He's like, oh, yeah. I can't get out of here. And Kerrigan's like, hey, man, I guess you should have gone on Nutrislim or something, brother, because I'm out of here. <laughs> All right. We got this devil baby to catch. Hashtag devil baby YOLO. Later, y'all. And then he takes off with Ram man. The car just explodes with this fat bastard stuck in the window. And then, yeah, he goes after Danny, who this whole thing is pointless because Danny just hurts his ankle and they catch up to him. Yeah, he breaks his ankle. They grab him. And then when they grab him, there's a couple of hippies getting high and then they just steal their van. Yep. Cut back to Nicolas Cage where this movie's really earning its money. And he wakes up in a sweat because he has a flash of the ghost. Oh, oh my God, that skeleton was on fire. He warns Nadia, look, when the ghost rider comes out, you've got to keep your distance. It's hungry. In his eyes, you're no different than Kerrigan. You should be afraid of me. Dude, what I like about this moment, though, is when he's like, you're no different than any of them. There's like a touch of that ghost rider psychology where like you can kind of see that demon bleeding through his human persona and again Nicolas Cage I think is a legitimately good actor and this is a really nice moment for him as a performer it's you know again totally wasted on this movie to me it just feels like Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage I love Nicolas Cage in movies where he plays a loser every role that he's great in he plays a guy who's getting shit on by life okay but when he plays a superhero he just comes across as being inauthentic to me i would disagree after watching this a couple of times recently i think that it's his unhinged performance is kind of informed by the character that he's playing and i i just think like he goes big no question about it but even all the crazy Nicolas Cage stuff, more so in this than some other recent films that he's done where it's just him being crazy. I will watch Adaptation any day of the week. You need to Raising watch Raising Arizona, Leaving Las Vegas. I think all three of those are masterpieces. He's so good in Mandy. That's a fantastic movie. I think he's a lot of fun in Color Out of Space. That you Richard turn on Stanley Face movie. Off, you can turn that shit off. All right? The Rock, no thank you. Yeah, but that's a Michael Bay movie, and I don't you know how I feel about Michael Bay. I know. So anyway, <laughs> as he's telling him, like, you're no different than any of them. Meanwhile, at some Euro rave, <laughs> Nicolas Cage and Nadia show up to find a guy that Nadia knows is in frequent contact with Kerrigan. He's like, this is the dude they go to to try to find out where Kerrigan is. It's like a MMA fight match in the middle of nowhere like some beefed up fight club yeah but they're fighting like a 
boar or something. Is that that movie Pig you were talking no, about? No, 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 no. Pig is a- I'd watch that. I'd watch Nicolas Cage punch a boar. Pig is a meditation on grief and loss. This is just fighting a pig. Well, if you're going to give me those two choices, I'm going to watch a guy fight a pig. <laughs> Nadia and Nicolas Cage find this dude, Vasile, and this is maybe the most unhinged that Nicolas Cage is in the whole movie, because the idea is that he's constantly trying to fight off the ghost rider from taking over. Uh-huh. And so he's telling this guy, I'm the only thing standing between you and the rider. And he loves bad guys. And right now he's scraping at the door, scraping at the door. What the fuck? What is this guy talking about? The rider? Shit. I'm over here trying to place bets on this guy punching out a goddamn pig. Got this guy screaming and yelling at me. Dude, this scraping at the door thing, I fucking <laughs> love it. I want it to be my ringtone. It is so good. I, and he's just real manic like he's strung out. Vasile is like, hey, maybe I can give you something to take away these uh, shakes you get. And Nicolas Cage is like, ha ha ha. No, no, there's nothing you can give me. Ha ha ha. And Jesus Christ, this guy's crazy. I think he's got an erection in his pants. I scratched that. I know he's got an erection in his pants. Yeah, you know, his head's like turning into Play-Doh and shit, and his eyes are getting big. What the fuck? And he tells him, I'm going to turn into a giant flaming skeleton. I'm going to suck out your soul. Yeah, I've heard that shit before, all right? You ever met Darlene? She'll suck out your soul one way or the other. She could suck the soul off a trailer hitch. You know what I'm saying? Finally, this dude, Vasile, freaked out by Nicolas Cage's performance, no doubt. Hey, your big erection and your fucking big bug eyes. Look, the guy you look for is at the quarry. Leave me the hell alone. I'm going to go see Darlene, all right? He tells him, like, this Kerrigan dude's at the quarry. Nicolas Cage then just throws this dude across the room because he's starting to get some Ghost Rider powers. Oh, hey, shit, dude, I told you he was at the quarry. You didn't have to throw me across the room. What do you think I am, a 12-year-old boy on the verge of turning 13? Nicholas Cage tells Nadia, we've got to get out of here fast. So he's running out. His arms start catching on fire because he's uh-huh. His ass is a catching, too. R.I.P. Charlie Daniels. And the, <laughs> his bike burst into hell flames. Uh-huh. And then we get the motorcycle bit where he's on it and his face is constantly, like, warping into it's it's like bad cgi where he's just laughing hysterically yeah and then finally is enveloped in flame as he screams and becomes the ghost rider for real it's a slightly more scary version of eddie murphy going from the nutty professor into buddy love buddy yeah into buddy love except at no point did eddie murphy ever say buddy love is scraping at the door and the ghostwriter's ass doesn't bloop out and his <laughs> yeah. lips don't bloop in and yeah nobody says that mike douglas made him moist that's a real failing of this movie anyway <laughs> at the quarry Oh, yes. This Here we go. Some army trucks are showing up because, as Vasile said, they're assembling an army here. And uh-huh. there's an arms dealer talking to Kerrigan. And he's like, hey, I've got these fire and forget heat-seeking rocket launchers. You got some bunker busters? You got some fuzz bottles? Snicker bombs? Church burners? Finger blasters? Gut busters? zippity doo dahs Crap flappers? Whistling bungholes? Spleen splitters? Whisker biscuits? Honky lighters? Husker do's? Husker don'ts? Cherry bombs? Nipsy daisies? With or without the scooter stick? Do you have any whistling kitty chasers? How many people are you trying to kill? Just one. Bang! 
Nadia then finds Danny at the quarry, uh, now that they know where he is. Hooray, you have found my son Danny. I love him so much. Look, I have had many children I have given up for adoption. This is first one I keep. Not just because he antichrist. That is just bonus. He's because he has most of his teeth. Also did not get born with syphilis. That was really lucky. That was a crapshoot. I think it is because he is antichrist that he does not have brain rot from syphilis. Ramman shows up and there's uh he is unceremoniously killed after Nadia throws Aww. a knife at him and he catches oh. it and is like ho, ho, ho. but Nadia just uses this as an opportunity to pull her gun and shoot him surprise surprise i have knife to distract you from bullet and it work every time and then off in the distance of course we hear the velociraptor scream of the ghost rider <laughs> And he shows up. Yeah. And they immediately fire one of these, you know, fire. It's a heat-seeking missile yeah. after him. And it fires. It goes up in the air. It lands on the Ghost Rider. There's a giant explosion. That don't hurt him, Bo. He's the Ghost Rider. Everybody on the ground, though, is like clapping and patting themselves on the back. Mission accomplished, everyone. Put the banner up. Right behind me over here. Come around, take some pictures. Ghost Rider is where dreams take flight. But sure enough, the Ghost Rider comes out of this ball of fire, standing there with his chain. Uh, he's a hooping and a hollering and whipping his chains like a badass Jacob Marley. So he disintegrates a bunch of dudes with his chain. And then a grenade goes off close by him after he severs the grenade holding arm of a dude one guy just unloads a clip of machine gun bullets in his mouth and then ghost rider vomits them back up as hot magma yeah that's pretty fun and kerrigan then uses a missile as as the ghost rider approaches him give me that rocket launcher i heard there might be a bear around here wait oh ghost rider and shoots it and ghost rider goes flying off into the sky and there's another explosion <laughs> think about what you just said i know what i said then kerrigan fires a rocket launcher uh -huh. at ghost rider and shoots him up into the sky uh -huh. was this written by a group of nine-year-old boys just one nine-year-old boy chad just one <laughs> you guys guess what happens next Kerrigan fires a rocket launcher and he shoots Ghost Rider way up into the sky. But Ghost Rider's not dead because he's made a fire. Ghost Rider <laughs> like comes back down to Earth somehow. <laughs> Bonk. And sees this big Earth mover that's been like Chekhov's Earth mover that we saw at the beginning of the scene. There is no piece of machinery on Earth that looks anything like this, Bo. This looks like something out of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> like the wheels and the grinders and stuff uh -huh. it's clearly something that was used on mount crumpet to dig out the grinch's hovel of a home i would argue that it could have been a background machine in wild wild west yes it's something of that ilk or from the failed fourth mad max film that never really got off the ground bite your tongue that's totally happening not the one with mel gibson the beyond thunderdome sequel yeah it was called beyond beyond thunderdome <laughs> way way past thunderdome it's it's called if you pass thunderdome but get to <laughs> the fight arena you've gone too far but that was too long to fit on a marquee. So Ghost Rider, once he gets in the cabin of this giant like Earth mover, it becomes consumed by Hellfire because anything that the Ghost Rider drives becomes a Hellfire vehicle. And Nadia and Danny see this shit going down and they're like, yoink, 
Look, I have not seen this Ghost Rider blow up big machine like this before. I think we should leave. How about you come with me, little boy? Whatever you say, Bob. That sounds great. Good. Also, you have Sora on mouth because that is something I could have passed on to you on the count of number of mean, including devil, I have sex with. The arms dealer grabs one of his dipsy doodles. He fires it at Ghost Rider, but then he just gets smooshed. And after Nadia and Danny make their escape, Kerrigan gets confronted by the Ghost Rider. And Ghost Rider whispers to Kerrigan, sorry, doesn't work. And then he just tosses Kerrigan aside. Just throws him off because he's unnecessary. Because Ghost Rider is now after Nadia and Danny. For whatever yeah. reason, like his wicked radar got pinged and is going after uh, the kid in particular and starts chasing them as Nadia and Danny are driving off. Mom, he's coming. He's right behind us. I can see him because he's on fire. Yes, I can look in the rearview mirror. Also, glow of Ghost Rider making landscape very bright. So I know he after us. Good looking out, Danny, but you are not helping. So he catches up to him right yanks nadia right out of the driver's seat whoops oh no here we go again you know this is the last time i forget to put on seat belt that is nadia big nadia you can sure pick the men uh, <laughs> yeah. always so physical and abusive maybe this one will have heart of gold so the truck, meanwhile, that they stole rolls to a stop. Nadia is about to get the Ghost Rider pennant stare, but Danny steps out and in a kind of a demon voice says, Enough, let her go. And Ghost Rider walks over to Danny, but as he approaches, the flames on his skull head diminish, and then eventually Ghost Rider tumbles to the ground and turns back into Nicolas Cage. So is this kid Ghost Rider's kryptonite? Well, he's got devil powers, apparently, is the idea. Uh, idea and the worst joke of the movie speaking of landing like a thud from earlier this is where nicholas cage after he looks up all steaming he goes so that happened oh chad what a shitty piece of writing that is like i there are things i genuinely like about spirit of vengeance but this is a nice reminder that it is a terrible movie <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing that I liked about Spirit of Vengeance. But that's one of the many differences between you and me. Cut to the next day, and we're at a diner, and Danny is looking over as a random father tussles his son's hair, and Nicolas Cage sees this, and he lays down a tray of food with a burger and fries on it, and he leans in to tussles Danny's hair, but Danny moves away, and Nicolas Cage says, Oh, I thought there was a, a bee on your head. I didn't want it to sting you. I was in a movie about bees bees set in the pacific northwest it was about a commune of women that worship bees and at the end of that movie i was burned alive as a sacrifice they broke my legs to prevent me from escaping speaking of which you had a broken ankle last night but it appears you can walk just fine today when you got out of the truck why did this movie have you break your ankle were you faking it so you didn't have to take gym class or something are you in school are you truant say there pal you seem like you have a lot of troubles but you know what you're a sight better than most of the men that my mother hangs out with most of them are gun runners or drug dealers or serial killers you don't seem like any of those things well maybe serial killer but we'll see how this goes you're saying that i'm cooler than most of the guys your mom hangs out with you really think i'm cool full transparency here i made up that thing about seeing a bee on your head i was trying to tussle your hair 
Saw you looking at that dad over there, rubbing his kid's head. Thought I could do the same thing for you, son. Uh, I mean, Danny. Son's too soon, Danny. How about I just call you Dan? Dan the man. You're a real man, Danny. You know that? I also like that he is just drinking ice water from a pitcher. Uh, Does Ghost Rider need to drink water? I think it's, yeah. I mean, he was literally on fire the night before, I guess, is the idea. That water's for everybody, Nicolas Cage. That'd be like you drinking ketchup straight from the Heinz bottle. You put a little, and then you share. I poured him a glass before I started drinking. I'm very hot! And so Nadia comes back in after she gasses up their stolen truck. Danny, look at you. Your hair untussled just the way I like it. It is good you don't let man touch your head. Also, he might get uh, what we call venereal disease from touching you. I, I still have never taken you to doctor. I think you have a lot of problems. Back at the quarry, the most confusing moment of this movie happens for me. Everybody's dead. Kerrigan got crushed by a big chunk of rock but his head is peeking out and he now has blonde highlights in his long hair and he looks completely unlike his former physical appearance rourke the devil shows up and says kerrigan you're not done yet get out from under that two-ton slab of concrete you lazy no good roust about sorry brother looks like i'm dead as hell Rourke leans down, puts a little devil magic on Kerrigan, and then Kerrigan retreats up under the slab of concrete like he's the good witch of the West or whatever. And then Kerrigan just tosses the concrete up into the air and reveals himself to be one of the two twins from the rock band Nelson. (laughs) Yeah, and he (laughs) says... Hey, what'd you do to me, brother? This looks pretty weird. And uh, Rourke says, I have given you the power of decay and darkness. Catch this piece of wood and see what happens. Whereupon he tosses a piece of wood to him and the wood crumbles to ash. Wow, that is badass. Hang on a second. Let me try it on this EMT over here. Oh, hey, sir. I thought you were dead a moment ago. Plus, your hair looks really cool. I know it does. Hey, let me touch your face real quick. Oh, shit. Now you're a skeleton. Oh, damn. That was pretty cool. Rourke says, Kerrigan, I want you to go and get to that boy. Now, be gone with you. So off he goes, and we cut back to the truck on the highway. With the most unbelievable thing that happens in a movie filled with unbelievable activities, Bo. Yeah. Nicolas Cage and Danny are on the back of this flatbed tow truck, and Nicolas Cage is working on his motorcycle. Now, that in and of itself isn't that unusual until you understand that the tow truck is going down the interstate at about 60 miles an hour. Oh no, I lost my log wrench. Danny uses this time to kind of grill him about his ghost rider powers. Yeah, just sitting on the back of a flatbed with no safety belts. It's fine. He has lived through two, three accidents already in movie. He's fine. Sometimes I just let him sit on hood of car. Danny, what do you do if you fall off truck? Tuck and roll, roll, Mom. Tuck and roll. That is right, Danny. You'll be fine. Also, I keep looking for maybe little signs that you have terrible disease like me. You seem okay, but I would check your liver. You know, just touch it. If it feels sensitive, that is probably her piece. Nicholas Cage explains to Danny, See, whatever vehicle the rider is in, it turns into this wicked badass fireball death trap. What about a taxi? Or a roller coaster? Or a ski lift? 
or a camel? And Nicholas goes, Cage says, oh, I don't know. That's his answer, Bo. I don't know. I don't know. I like that, Bo. I don't know. That's nice. Mr. Hand, will I pass this class? Gee, Mr. Nicholas Cage, I don't know. That's nice. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave your words on my board for all of my classes to enjoy, giving you full credit, of course, Mr. Nicholas Cage. All right. That's Fast Times at Richmond High. I was in that. Yes, you were in this movie, but no, that wasn't your scene. I figure since I ordered the Ghost Rider, it's sort of our Ghost Rider. <laughs> My dad's got this wicked set of tools. <laughs> I can fix this hell bike. Up this ramp? <laughs> Dude, that it, we have talked about this before. The funniest line in Fast Times at Ridgemont High for me <laughs> is, up this ramp? No Spicoli. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> anyway. Danny asks him, hey, what happens when you have to pee when you're on fire? Well, it's kind of like a flamethrower, and you get a, another family guy cutaway of the ghost rider just pissing off the back of this truck, you know, urinating fire. Danny, Danny, question from me, your mother driving the truck. When you pee, does it ever feel like fire? Could be a reason for us to stop off at clinic. Perhaps get you some penicillin. Sometimes might feel like broken glass. Could be glass, could be fire. You need to tell me these things. I know it is difficult for you to talk to mother about sex stuff, and especially your penis. But I think it is important for me to know if you feel lots of pain in groin. This whole motorcycle repair scene on the back of a moving flatbed tow truck, it feels very Terminator 2-ish. They're definitely going for that bonding between Nicolas Cage and Danny. The problem is Nicolas Cage thus far in the film has been portraying Johnny Blaze like he is a strung out addict who is terrified of this thing inside him, mm -hmm. which is fine. And I'm kind of into that part of the movie. But as soon as it's like, well, maybe you and I could be a father son kind of duo. That's the point where I'm like, well, this doesn't fit at all with what the rest of the movie has been so far and also i don't buy it for a second i i just don't care about this relationship even a little bit hey nicholas cage when you change into ghost rider does it feel good are you and me bad guys well sometimes it feels pretty good and sometimes it feels great it comes from a bad place but we can use it for good danny like me helping you and your mom listen ghost rider i know that you're helping me and my mom because you want to get rid of that demon inside of you that's something i'll never be able to do about this time moreau shows up drunk driving his motorcycle alongside the tow truck with a bonjour <laughs> i like when he passes by nadia in the driver's seat he says i hope you're not going to shoot me this time hmm, we see how it goes I haven't made up mind. Maybe I shoot you, maybe I don't. You know you're in trouble if I throw a knife at you. That mean bullet coming quick on heels. Nicholas Cage looks over at Danny and says, Hey, Danny, you want to have some fun? And then we, the audience, are treated to a montage of Nicholas Cage and Danny riding the same motorcycle, doing wheelies, both front and and back and we get to hear the band bass drum of death play their hit song velvet itch this is all the male equivalent of watching julia roberts go shopping in pretty woman i likened it to the moment when michael j fox climbs on his buddy's roof in teen wolf styles and then he does that surfing 
nonsense, but yeah. he was a werewolf. Well, Ghost Rider's kind of a werewolf. Kind of? Julia Roberts was a werewolf. When? I made that part up. Aw, I would have loved to have seen Pretty Werewolf. Do, 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 do. Oh! <laughs> I would have loved to have seen, like, Richard Gere snap the jewelry box shut on her hairy claw. <laughs> Do you get to see Jason Alexander try to rape a werewolf? Oh, and she just murders Hector Elizondo, rips him limb from that. limb. Yep, ah. I'm down for that. Pretty Werewolf is kind of the movie I want to see now. Let's cut to Kerrigan driving the ambulance that he stole earlier and he tries to pick up a sandwich but it disintegrates and then he does the same thing with an apple and it turns to ash but the steering wheel of the ambulance doesn't turn to ash but the wood did earlier so it's only organic matter that he can decay is that what happens i think that's the idea he eats a twinkie and it doesn't decay so i think that's kind of a joke and he eats this twinkie in the strangest way a person can eat a twinkie he rips the plastic and then he just kind of like suck jams it into his mouth and but we've seen weird al put a hot dog inside a twinkie and cover it with spray cheese this was weirder than that and and about like 20 percent less delicious oh sure and so <laughs> we finally get to this sanctuary that we've been talking about through the whole movie, which is just a bunch of monks living in cliff caves and whatnot. Yeah, it's the hill people of North Homeland up in Farawayton. And out comes a fully tatted up, bald Christopher Lambert. <laughs> and Moreau and Nicolas Cage are uh, almost immediately are like, hey, what about getting rid of this Ghost Rider thing? Because I got this kid and his weird mom to Christopher Lambert. Oh, Nadia, devil spawned boy. You go with these friendly monks who mean you no harm. They are not going to try to kill this child because he is Satan's offspring. I will take Nicolas Cage over to the de-demonizing cave in a rock sanctuary, okay? Okay, I go with Christopher Lambert, not the weirdest guy I've ever been with, just between you and me. The tattoos on the face, a little off-putting, but I've seen worse. Nicholas Cage says, Hey, Moreau, what is this thing inside me? And Moreau says, It is Zerasos. He is a spirit of justice. Uh, you know what we need in this movie? How about a video game animated cutscene to accompany my voiceover? Uh, cue the animation. All right, that's better. Now look, pay attention. Zarathos, he was sent to protect the world of the men, but he was tricked, captured, and brought to hell. Corrupted and driven insane. His mission was to protect the innocent, but he was perverted to punish the guilty. He was the spirit of vengeance. Oh, that is part of our movie's title, no? Oh, wow. I just got that. That's pretty good. And then Moreau says, look at this. This is a bottle of wine. It is 2,000 years old. And when this is all over, you and I, Nicolas Cage, we will share it. I am just kidding. I am going to drink it right now. Glug, 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 glug. So, Nicolas Cage, before you start this process, you must confess the one thing that is most difficult for you to talk about. I stick my thumb up my ass when I jerk off. No, no, not the that. I also get an erection when people throw yogurt on my feet. No, no, not that either. Is it the thing about my dad? 
Oui, oui. Oh, yeah. I didn't make the deal with the devil because I wanted to save my dad. I did it because I was scared. When he confesses this, it's all very casual. It doesn't seem that difficult for him to talk about. Yeah, it, it really does feel anticlimactic, as much of this movie does. And Moreau is like, okay, time for some communion. This bread right here, it is the body of Christ. Oh, wow. This bread is old, but I guess Jesus is too. So that all adds up. <laughs> He eats the bread, and Moreau says, May God lead you into the eternal life. That is if today is your last day. <laughs> I'm going to go get drunk. You head down into the catacombs, and we're going to see a bunch of bullshit involving the demon leaving your body. Be gone with you, Nicolas Cage. And that's what we get. Nicolas Cage goes down, and he rolls around on the floor of this cave, screaming and yelling as Ghost Rider is excised from his body, as the entire movie turns into a grunge music video from the early 2000s dude if i may share with you one of our hey we could have been writing the same notes <laughs> it is the the ghostwriter vomits chains and it's all black and white and this could have been a rollins band video <laughs> it totally is and this scene is essentially this movie's version of superman 2 where he gives up his superpowers bing bam boom nicholas cage ain't got no more ghostwriter in him wakes up on the floor rushes out to say hey everybody guess what i'm not possessed by a demon any everyone where where'd everyone go let me go let me go i cannot believe it people are abducting me where is my son danny so nicholas cage goes to find him and it's all these monks led by christopher lambert have taken danny nadia and barreau hostage and christopher lambert is like <laughs> we have to kill this boy Sacre bleu! You lied to me? I cannot believe it. You were deceptive, Christopher Lambert. I figured a man with tattoos all over his face. How could that face lie to me? And Moreau says, you cannot kill him. He is one of God's children. Really? Watch me. Yeah, Christopher Lambert is just like, no, he's not. <laughs> Does somebody have a video camera? Could you film this? We're going to put it on the internet soon. They go outside with this kid. Uh, uh -huh. All these monks do. Yep. And they gather around in this circle in the in this kind of stone platform, this plateau. The night time is the right time. <laughs> <laughs> and they're about to behead this kid, but before Christopher Lambert can bring his sword down, all of a sudden everything goes black and everybody's in the sunken place from Get Out. Yep. And it's Kerrigan who has showed up to just rot a bunch of these monks. And it's worth pointing out that this effect of them, like, being enveloped by darkness thanks to kerrigan looks like crap and it doesn't make sense there is a way to portray the idea that kerrigan brings this darkness with him and it's not just to put them in a dark room it looks like garbage to use Moreau's work. It does look very bad. Lambert finally is going mono e Kerrigan with his sword and thinks he's got the better of him because Kerrigan is doing that like, well, oh, you got me, buddy. Oh, no. Oh, no. Whatever am I going to do? You tattooed monk. You have bested me. Oh, I'm just fucking with you. Hang on. Let me rot you like the others. Yeah. And, and so that's what happens when the darkness lifts. It's just Danny and Kerrigan and kerrigan says but you're happy to see me little man yeah cut to black danny's been abducted and then when we fade back in nadia and nicholas cage and moreau they show up realize the kid's gone and nicholas cage says what does rourke want with danny today is his day of 
prophecy. Danny is turning 13. Apparently that is today. Rock, the devil, is going to put his spirit into Danny's body. There wouldn't be no more Danny, only Rock. Making him his own grandpa. You know, fun fact, when devil have sex with me, he says same thing. That I make a good vessel for his spirit. But it turned out his spirit was his penis. I know you're worried, honey. But believe me, there ain't a thing to be worried about. We're absolutely gonna get him back. There just ain't no question about that. We will get him back. That's all there is to it. And you wanna know another thing? I'm gonna be a better person from here on out. That's final. That's absolutely the way it's gonna be. That's official. You were right. I was wrong. A blind man can tell you that. Now, they ain't gonna hurt him, honey. They're just in it for the score. But I ain't like that no more. I'm a changed man. You were right. I was wrong. We got a family here. I'm gonna start acting responsibility. So let's go, honey. Let's go get Satan Jr. <laughs> so off they go. Kerrigan arrives at another castle here in Castlevania. Na na na. Uh, where Rourke and his hired goons await and Rourke and Danny meet face to face for the first time and Danny's first response is say mister what's wrong with your face it looks all fucked up so we cut back to Moreau taking Nadia and Nicolas Cage to this arsenal that these monks have been hiding and Nicolas Cage says wine and guns what a bunch of naughty monks is you taking notes on a motherfucking criminal conspiracy huh man oh what a great scene that was <laughs> one of the best television moments ever is stringer bell saying are you taking motherfucking notes on a criminal conspiracy <laughs> so good i think most of my review of this film is just me talking about and quoting other movies yeah well that'll happen when you're watching ghost rider spirit of vengeance it does beg you to think of better movies that all of these people have been in but uh, we, we get a, a moment between danny and rourke inside this fortress of his where he's trying to convince danny to i guess willingly give himself over or whatever and he says do you know what they flamethrower is and immediately danny has a flashback memory a la family guy to ghost rider pissing fire and he gets the giggles <laughs> this is so stupid and then rourke says well imagine i am a flamethrower made of paper mache it's hard to contain all that power but you danny you can help me and then he just jabs some sedative into the neck of danny knocking him out yep he could have just bonked him on the head with a butt of a pistol that works in movies hey how expensive is a coconut chad it's something that we talk <laughs> about time and again on this program and then danny doesn't know who he is all you got to do is say like you are my vessel and danny's like i guess i'm your vessel then you know <laughs> it turns out we were one coconut away from the apocalypse in this movie Outside the devil's compound, a bunch of politicians and heads of state show up to see the devil take his new form. It's the kind of stuff Q's talking about, Bo. Where we go cage, we go all. So it's the next day, and Danny, who is still wearing the same clothes that he has had on this entire movie, the kid's got a stink. Teenage boys that don't bathe regularly, they get ripe after a couple of days. He must be the kid of Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Take a bath, celebrities. Nobody wants to smell you. And so um, Rourke is addressing all of his black-robed followers in the amphitheater uh, about how awesome all this Satanism is. The nighttime is the right time. Woo! 
The nighttime is the right time. Yeah. Moreau says, Danny Sol, it will be lost as the break of dawn. We better get a move on, Nicolas Cage. Nadia tells him, Nicholas Cage, I have made many mistakes, but Danny, here's one good thing that I ever did. Giving birth to the son of the devil. I know it may sound strange, but giving birth to Antichrist, best thing I ever did. And that should give you a pretty good idea of terrible things I do. I can only imagine the terrible things that you've done, but we have to make sure that Danny does not indeed become the Antichrist. You know, I remember that time I put uh, uh, heroin in baby formula and make all the babies lose their minds with uh, the opium. That was probably bad. Nadia, who is a sharpshooter, she steps up and snipes all of the security guards outside of this mini coliseum, which allows Moreau and Nicolas Cage to make their way inside. Moreau says, you go and grab the boy and then run off with him. That is the plan, okay? Remember, grab the boy, then run off with him, okay? Got you it. cannot do the second step until you do the first step. If you just run off without grabbing the boy, the plan does not work. If you just grab the boy and you do not run off, the plan does not work. So, Nicholas Cage, repeat back to me. What is the plan? I'm going to run and then grab the kid and then run with the kid. Close enough. All right. On count of three. Un, deux, et he says, so what are you going to be doing while I'm running and then running the kid over? Pay close attention, my friend. Leroy Jenkins! God damn it, Leroy. Yeah, it, it really is that kind of moment where like Moreau just takes his bottle of wine, goes up to the first guards he sees, and he's like, oh, this wine is pretty good. Here, give it a catch. And he throws it at a guard, and when the guard goes to catch it, Moreau just starts shooting him with his super automatic rifle. Uh-huh. Kills both of them. He runs inside the Coliseum and just starts spraying these evil monks with bullets. You know, Moreau goes out like a, a, a champ in this uh, for the most part because he's just screaming, going completely bonkers, murdering everyone that he, he can get his eyes on. It's a real spray and pray moment. For sure, he knows he's going to die. And so the ritual, meanwhile, is really amping up because now people are chanting. And uh, Danny and Rourke are swaying like it's satellite at the Dave Matthews concert. And Danny gets the black eyes, and so does Rourke, meaning I suppose that some devilry is going on? I guess so. And a shadow starts to extend from Rourke to Danny, but that gets interrupted because of Moreau bouncing in there and just shooting everybody up. Yep. And then Cage rushes in. Hey, Rourke, take this. Eat hot fist. And then punches him right in the face. And another joke that lands with a, a real thud is, boy, that felt good. <laughs> Your bar for jokes in this movie is so low. It's awful nicholas cage gets up on stage and he says danny i never should have given up my powers i know that now he's gonna erase you danny you'll be erased from existence but then nicholas cage gets thrown to the ground by rourke's devil powers mm -hmm. while meanwhile kerrigan is sneaks up on moreau and rots him and moreau goes out because as he's decaying he headbutts kerrigan and his head explodes into dust right nice knowing you moreau thanks for being in the movie idris elba hopefully we won't see you too soon because you're way too good to be in the kind of movies we talk about yes while nicholas cage is on the ground kerrigan goes to him 
and is kind of running his finger across his forehead to make blisters and rot come out and whatnot. And Danny then asks Rourke, hey, mister, do you and Haya have the same powers like you said before? Huh? Do we? And Rourke's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Hey, Nicolas Cage, get ready for a reverse piggyback. And he <laughs> hauls ass, runs, jumps on Nicolas Cage, and then just vomits fire on his head yeah thus giving him back the ghost rider powers he had earlier yeah and there's a weird flashback to the deal and it's i kind of wonder if this is just the deal was made in their minds or something and because it nicholas cage never asks for this but no anyway whatever it's, it's poorly directed and poorly written and, well speaking of things that are completely out of place once he gets his powers back Nicholas Cage's motorcycle shows up. How'd that get there? Doesn't matter. But Ghost Rider is back in form and he's ready to go kick some ass. He swings his chain around one time, just decimates all of these Satanists that are standing around in their robes. They all just yeah. go up in flames. Rourke grabs Danny, who is now unconscious from having spewed all of his firepowers into Nicholas Cage. They run over, get in a car, and they speed off. Ghost Rider gets on his flaming chopper and chases after a five-car caravan to save Danny. The bad guys, they shoot at Ghost Rider, and all of this turns into a mid-tier mission from an uncharted video game as Ghost Rider leaps from truck to truck and car to car, slowly making his way up to the first vehicle that has Rourke and Danny in it. My favorite thing in this whole sequence is when Ghost Rider jumps on one of the trucks, one of the guys just jumps off the vehicle. Fuck this! Ah! Dude, there's an honest-to-goodness Wilhelm scream in this movie. At that <laughs> moment, that guy who throws himself <laughs> off the truck, they throw in a Wilhelm scream. And if you don't know what the Wilhelm scream is, listeners, it's been around since about 1951. There was some cowboy movie is where, where it was first used. But you would know it if you heard it because it's been used in a number of cheap films over the years. Why don't we find it and edit it into this episode? So it sounds like this. <coughs> that was the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, it's one of my favorite <laughs> things in movies because it shows you that either the filmmakers are fans of movies or they're lazy or both. Nadia the mom, she's in hot pursuit too because they grabbed her kid. And then Kerrigan appears out of nowhere and just lands on the hood of her SUV so she can have somebody to fight. Ghost Rider snatches Kerrigan with his flame chain, jerks him over to the bed of the truck that he's riding on. These two tussle for a bit on the hood of the truck. There are more car crashes. Then Ghost Rider kills Carrington with his soul suck move. And then throws him under the truck that Nadia is driving. And we see him kind of rot on the highway behind the, the truck. Good riddance. And Carrie. Ghost Rider then says, Roadkill. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Ghost Rider gets on his, his hell bike again and uh -huh. chases down Rourke and Danny. He uses his chain to kind of bust out the axle and the SUV once more just goes flipping. Danny would be dead, Bo. He in is the dead. last car crash, Danny had his seatbelt on. Danny's not wearing a seatbelt in this scene. Danny's dead. Yes, 100% he's dead. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So Ghost Rider then rolls up on this SUV after it finally comes to a stop. And Rourke climbs out of the wreckage all fucked up. And Ghost Rider finds him. Rourke says, this is the worst deal I've ever made. And Ghost Rider says, go home. 
and takes his chain, wraps it around Rourke, throws him up into the air about 10,000 feet. Yep. Then jerks the chain down so that Rourke slams into the desert earth like Wiley Coyote. Yeah. It kind of looks like the outskirts of Cleveland. Yeah. Except he keeps going <laughs> all the way down into hell where he burns up. Isn't Rourke the devil? Yes. Wouldn't this be a real don't throw me in the briar patch moment? Well, I think it's like, hey, you're fucking up my human host, and now I gotta go find another. And I can't come back to to Earth until I do, or something. Nadia comes over the hillside. Where'd she come from? Before she shows up, Nicolas Cage, as the ghost rider, does this crazy, like, arms up to the sky wailing, and almost does, like, this Wakanda forever move and then screams all over again and it's like man i know that was just cage in his mocap suit going bananas it really works in the movie though i love it i again this is the shit i love i want to see more of that and less of all the kid stuff i want to see more julia roberts werewolf action look nobody's arguing that pretty werewolf isn't the better movie here (laughs) (laughs) even though it doesn't exist nadia shows up and is like wait a second ghost rider did you happen to see little boy in suv that flipped over 52 times (laughs) and ghost rider is like oh i knew i was forgetting something i got busy killing the devil then he goes to the (laughs) suv finds danny who is fucking dead yes ghost rider carries danny over to nadia who's like oh boy boo hoo hoo this is terrible the son who i loved more than most everything except a couple of things he is dead you know i still young woman i can have another disease ridden baby where is devil is he around here? oh big hole my guess you sent him back never mind are you single ghost rider do you see anything you like huh? let me ask you a question your penis is it also fire because that could be a problem for me. I prefer fleshy protrusion, less fire. But hey, a port in any storm, you know what I mean? Everybody fuck a fire every now and again. Ghost Rider takes the boy and sets him down in front of the mom, and then she's holding her son, and then blammo! Ghost Rider is now magically Nicolas Cage. The demon that was inside of me used to be an angel. Now I can feel that angel. So he holds up a skeleton hand that is now not hell flame anymore. It's a blue flame okay and he touches danny it just like mr jangles and uh-huh. he just comes back to life yeah a little necromancy there right yeah look chad how many times do we have to say on this show i do not truck with necromancy i don't associate with those who do <laughs> But sure enough, necromancy is what we're dealing with here. And Danny says, hey there, Ghost Rider, did we win? And Nicolas Cage says, yes. Hell yes! And we get a final video game animation and a voiceover from Nicolas Cage. Hi, my name is Nicolas Cage, and I'm the Ghost Rider! Credits. It's a tight 88. Man. So... That is Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. And I know I've been a little lenient on this movie as we've talked about it. That's okay. You got a soft spot for certain turds. I I do. And like I said, I really like how off the chain Nicolas Cage is in a lot of this movie. I I wish it had leaned more into him kind of fighting this demon inside of him, which I know is a big thing in the movie, but I wish it had been kind of mostly that and him trying to find a way to get rid of it. 
it as opposed to this apocalypse devil baby thing all of that stuff is totally worthless i again i think he he plays the part like he's an addict and and that's i find really interesting and it's a lot of fun but yeah uh, the villains are terrible like kerrigan is an awful villain rourke is an awful villain the kid stuff doesn't land all of that stuff just doesn't work nicholas cage to me is the only and idris elba i think it is kind of fine in it but i think nicholas cage is the only redeeming thing about this movie and you have to be a weirdo like me that just loves seeing nicholas cage do nicholas cage shit to to get any enjoyment out of this movie but i do there are moments that i really like the movie because of his performance i don't think there's anything good about this movie i would never recommend anyone to watch it i think there are much better nicholas cage performances worth viewing this is not one of them no one's gonna argue that there are better uh, by the way did i mention the movie pig <laughs> if you haven't seen it it's still a new movie and pig is it's a tremendous film like it's one of those movies that is incredibly resonant it's really powerful it's a movie that'll stick with you long after you see it nicholas cage gives a fantastic subdued quiet performance in it and it reminds you that he's a really good actor if you give him a chance and there's a director that's reminding him not to go full nicholas cage well, I was looking at how many episodes of this podcast we've done today. What, 30, 40? What are we up to? This is our 99th episode. What? Which means, if my math is correct, the next episode will be our 100th episode. Oh my God, we're scraping at the door of the 100th episode. <laughs> that is a big number. And I think we should take on a big movie. Oh, well... <laughs> huh do you have something in mind that could be comic related and would be a massive waste of time i'm thinking about a movie that was made then it got remade but then they remade it again superman close oh wait a second i think i know where this is headed you don't mean yes i do Ugh, Zack snyder's <laughs> justice league the Snyder Cut is the deepest. Baby, I know. The Snyder Cut is the deepest. Oh, isn't that like four hours long? Cause when it comes to being lucky, we're cursed. Ugh. When it comes to bloated movies, it's the worst. Yes, it is 22 hours long. <laughs> And it's a movie that we've already reviewed sort of on this very podcast. Yeah, I remember how painful it was the first time. And this is going to be twice as long. But it'll be twice as fun. I don't think that's how that math works. Because it's Zack Snyder and he's terrible, Chad. He's awful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Those Zack Snyder Justice League DC movies are just the grimmest most terrible slow motion crap you've ever seen and this is four hours of that only in a hundredth episode would something like this happen so come back and see us in two weeks time as Bo and i don our tuxedos and we prepare for a 100th episode celebration of pick six movies with the biggest most bloated quite possibly one of the most terriblest movies we've ever had the displeasure to discuss on this very podcast you will believe a man can cry. <laughs> 
Come back and see us in two weeks' time. Join us for the celebration. As always, like, rate, review. Leave us a comment here and there. You can send us an email at picksixmovies at gmail.com. You can find us on social media floating around. Bo, any final thoughts on Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance? It's not very good. No. No, it is not. Thank you.